My name is Dave Gamble, host of the Unleash the Awesome podcast. And if you want to learn to design your best life and have the courage to live it, you should be listening to the More Than Corporate podcast with my friend, Amber Furman. Welcome to the More Than Corporate podcast. I'm Amber Furman, recovering perfectionist and serial accomplisher. If you're anything like I used to be, you've been living your life thinking that if you accomplish enough stuff, you'll finally find the success you've always wanted. But what if it's not about accomplishing more stuff? What if it's about accomplishing the right stuff? I believe you don't find success. You create it by intentionally designing the life you want and having the courage to get out of your comfort zone to live your design. I went from doing what I was supposed to do to doing what I love to do, and now I get to help others do the same. Keep listening as I chat with inspiring people who make it their mission to live their best life every day and learn how you too can live the life you've always wanted. Welcome back to another episode of the More Than Corporate Podcast. I'm super excited to have with me today the amazing digital marketer, Dave Gambrell. Dave has an online digital marketing mentorship group that's absolutely fantastic. Before we came on, we were actually talking about this amazing Trello video he did. And he just has this amazing way of showing you the things you can do with technology that you didn't know you could do that makes your life easier. So thank you so much for being with me today. Dave. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to our conversation. I'm excited. So I'm always curious when people have things like digital marketing background, like to me, digital marketing is so new. And I know that COVID has kind of brought this need for it. It's been going on forever. We just haven't had it front of mind. How did you get into digital marketing? Was that always the plan? Was it marketing first and then digital marketing? Like how did this all happen for you? Yeah, that was never the plan, honestly, but uh, I grew up around computers. So my dad worked for AT&T for his entire career. And so we had computers in our house early on. Like I remember some of the first touchscreen computers, we actually got to beta test essentially in our house. They were like these jelly screen monitors. They're really weird. Um, so I've always had access to that. You know, I had the Texas Instruments 99 and the Commodore 64 and the Commodore 128. And I was on America Online before it was even America Online. It was called Quantum Link. So I've always had access to computers and was kind of a geek about it, uh, but never, you know, never got into the programming. It was mostly just to play games, but I was always familiar with it. And I knew that this was kind of going to be the future, I guess. So I kind of always kept my finger on the pulse of what was happening with that. And then the way it transitioned to my digital marketing mentorship group and some of the stuff I do there is that's just been a skill set of mine that I've had. And so anything that I do that I'm successful with usually has something to do with how to market it online or, or build my email list or run Facebook ads or whatever. And people started asking me like, dude, how did you do that? That looks so great. That's so awesome. I'm like, oh, it's simple. You just do blah, 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 blah. And they're like, <laughs> what? You do what? I was like, oh yeah, it's easy. You just, you know, plug this into that and do this. And then they're like, whoa, slow down. So I started getting a lot of questions about that, you know, repeatedly from different people in different spheres of influence. And I thought, you know what? I can't answer these people one-on-one -on -one anymore. I was getting on calls with people doing Zoom calls, whatever. And I was like, look, I want to help these people, but I can't do it at scale. So I started that digital marketing mentorship Facebook group and started helping people in there. And it just kind of took off. And I never thought that was going to be a business of mine. Never thought it would be a revenue stream. Never thought I'd spend a lot of stuff in it, there, or a lot of time in there. But man, it just took off. I was like, okay, I guess there's a demand here. Why don't I help these people out? 
Yeah, there's so much that you said there that people need to really dig into and understand. First of all, I have to thank you for the flashback. You started talking about, you know, Texas Instruments stuff. And I'm going back to when we thought that was the coolest thing on the planet. Like, yeah. I remember when we had the the calculator that was like half a computer and we were like, holy cow, this is the best life's going to get, right? Yeah. Um, so that's a good flashback there. Um, there's so much about what you said that's fantastic and what it really boils down to is like people want to make it so complicated and the reality is you find a need and you solve it right so it's like yep. what do I do how do I make money how do I make a business how do I turn my passion into a business and you just summed it up so well like people ask you questions and you answer them you find a need and you solve them and we say it so so nonchalantly and then we like muddy it up with all of the stuff we're supposed to do. Right. Yeah. So how do you, um, make sure that you're keeping it simple? Like, how do you make sure that you're staying on that path of find a problem, solve it? So one of the things I try to do is I do, I put a lot of content out on a lot of different platforms. So I have a podcast, I have a Facebook group. I'd sometimes I'm on Instagram. I come on other people's podcasts and I share information and I pay really close attention to what resonates. And I know that, and you probably know from a lawyer's background, like it would be very easy for you to start doing lawyer speak to, you know, people that are not lawyers and they wouldn't understand you. And it would be very easy for me to do tech speak to, and people wouldn't get it, right? Because that, that's not their, their avenue. So I, I'm always very conscious of, uh, I keep this thing in mind. It sounds like a Dr. Seuss thing, but I, I always remember who's the who, so what? So who's the who, who's my audience? Who's my customer avatar? Who's my ideal client prospect? what's going on, what's the conversation that's going on in their head, and then what's the so what of what I'm talking about? So, what, so what does that mean to them? How does it relate to them? What, why should they care? And so I think if I keep that, who's the who, so what, you know, front and center, like even before I got on this podcast today, I just went back and looked at some of the stuff you sent me just to remember who your audience is. So I could try to be more relevant with the um, stories that I share, or maybe the metaphors or similes that I use so that people will get it. So I think it's just important to keep that front and center, because it would be very easy for me to go off the rails and just start doing techno geek stuff. And, and I think it's also important, you didn't ask me this question, but I'll share it. I like it. I think, I think it's also important for you, if, if you're at a certain level and you're serving your audience at a different level, I think it's important to make sure you are still getting around people that are at that, you know, cutting edge or bleeding edge or whatever tip of the spear so that you can kind of geek out with them and get it out of your system and understand what's going on and be like, oh, okay, here, cool. Here's what's going on. And then just remember when you're coming back and talking to people that aren't quite at that level, you just have to synthesize it a little bit. So I try to, I use the, the metaphor with my group to say, like, if you were to be a physician or a nurse, the first two courses you have to take are anatomy and physiology and medical terminology. Without those two things, you could not learn the rest of the stuff in that curriculum. So I always try to remember, like, that's what I'm teaching these people. I'm teaching the basics. I'm trying to keep it as simple as possible. I try to define things whenever I can. And the beauty of doing something like a Facebook Live and paying attention to the feedback is sometimes I'll get people to go, whoa, 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 wait, wait, what was that? Wait, show that again. Can you share your screen? I go, oh, okay. I went a little too fast. I need to kind of, I don't like this term, but I can't think of any way to, any other way to say it, like dumb it down or just. Yeah you know, make it just synthesize, just bring it down to their level because they don't need all that complexity. They just want to get stuff done. And yeah. so the more I could do that, the better. It's interesting that you say that because two things are coming to my mind. First of all, you know, the idea of posting and looking at the feedback, it's crazy 
because there's so much going on on social media. There's so many different platforms that you can be on. And it really is a strategic, um, I guess, journey from starting to post to actually getting your audience. And I never understood this until recently. I was just watching people post and thinking, okay, they're just posting stuff. Like I just need to post more, right? And, and I see you smiling, right? It's a common thought. And what happens is like, you don't realize that every single post is designed to pull back a little bit of information to find out, does my audience resonate with this? And if you're not looking at your posts saying, okay, that worked, this didn't, what else do they want to know from this? Why didn't it work? Then you're missing the entire social media process. Um, and I think we do that with so many things in life. We look at somebody's actions and think, oh, this is what we're doing. And we don't pay attention to the reason behind them to get the formula for their success. Um, so I'm glad that you said that about social media, because I see too many people just throwing spaghetti at the wall to see what sticks, which is great as long as you're paying attention to what sticks. Yeah. One of the metaphors I use for this is if you think about comedians, right? So I guess the the top of the, the food chain now for comedians is getting a Netflix special, right? It used to be getting an HBO special or whatever, but that's top of the food chain. Can you get an hour long, 90 minute long special on Netflix? Well, they didn't just start on Netflix and have 90 minutes of material. They went to a bunch of little clubs and they tried out some jokes and some of them hit and some of them bombed. And they thought, okay, let me take the ones that hit and try them again the next night at a different club. Let me take some of the ones that bombed and try them again and see if it was just that audience. And then they just keep doing that, right? And they weed out the stuff that doesn't work. And then by the time they get to a 90 minute special, they have all stuff that works because they've tried it everywhere. So one of the things I do is I, I pretty much think that the people that are in my Facebook group, they're the most forgiving audience. They kind of know me. They know how I show up. And so I tend to test stuff in there first. And then I learn how to wrap words around the things I'm thinking. And I see if they get it. And because you can get real-time feedback, I get the feedback and I go, okay, interesting. All right. And then maybe I'll do a podcast episode because I like to try to keep my podcast episodes like 15 or 20 minutes. And sometimes on my Facebook lives, I might go for an hour and then I go, okay, of that whole hour, there's 15 minutes of goodness in there. Like, let me take the most, you know, the cogent thoughts and translate them over here to the podcast. And so for me, I just think about it as a comedian, like I'm on new stages and new clubs every night, trying out new material. I keep the winners and, and I keep reusing them, by the way. A lot of people think, oh, I shared it once. Like, yeah. I, yeah, I did that one time. And I'm like, no, you need to share it again and again and again. And if you think of old marketing data, advertising data, they used to say that people need to see commercials or hear something like seven to 10 times before they even think about, you know, identifying with that brand or buying it or whatever. But now the number's up to like 25 to 30 because we're getting hit by so many things. So you could say the same things 30 times, pretty much the same exact way in 30 different venues and have pretty much the same audience. And there's still going to be people that 30th time and be like, wow, that's so awesome. I never heard that before. Because for whatever reason, they weren't either paying attention or maybe they just, you know, that old saying of when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Yeah. So maybe they're just finally ready to hear it and get it. And then they go like, dude, that's so good. And I'm like, yeah. I've seen you in the audience the 30 other times. Like, what were you doing? So it's yeah. so funny that you say that my mom and I talk often, we have this amazing relationship now that we didn't have throughout most of my life. And, um, I'll call her and I'll be like, dude, I went to this personal development conference and they said this. And she's like, dude, I've been telling you that since you were like four. And I'm like, but first of all, it was you telling me. And second of all, 
I wasn't ready to hear it. Right. Like you just need to hear it a different way. I fell into that trap when I first started producing content because I thought, you know, I have like, I don't have a hundred, I have 180 podcast episodes. I don't have 180 things to say. Right. And so I'm like, what am I going to talk about? Like eventually you run out of stuff. And I heard somebody say once, and not everybody's going to catch every one of your episodes and the people who do, they're not going to catch the entire episode. They're going to pop in, they're going to pop out. And then you add this other layer to it, which is amazing. That's even when they do catch your episode, they might not be ready to hear it. So if you don't say it again down the road, then you miss that opportunity, which is um, amazing. And I had never really thought of it like that before. Yeah. I mean, think about how you consume content yourself. Like I listen to podcasts in the shower while I'm driving down the street, while I'm cooking dinner, while I'm out, you know, doing yard work or whatever. And sometimes I get distracted because my brain actually has to be used to do whatever that thing I'm, I'm doing is. And so I miss some of it. So like this morning, I was listening to a great podcast, but uh, Peter Tia's podcast, The Drive. And he was talking to uh, Stephen Levitt, uh, the guy that wrote Freakonomics. And like, there was a lot of really good stuff in there. And I'm like doing my whole morning routine, getting ready. And I hit the rewind button many times, you know, 30 seconds, 30 seconds, 30 seconds. Cause I'm like, well, I need to catch that. They said something really cool there. And I know I missed it, but the reality is most people are not listening, listening actively like that. And so they kind of maybe heard it and, and maybe it started to sink in. So, but you need to say it a few more times and a few more times and eventually they'll get it. And then, you know, I, like, then what I start saying to my audience is when they say, well, you said that before, Dave, why don't you say something new? And I'll say, well, are you doing it? Yes. And that starts a whole nother conversation, right? So I talk about building your email list and people are like, dude, I know you said it all the time. I go, is your email list bigger than it was yesterday? <laughs> then shut up. <laughs> then shut up. Yeah. You know, so first of all, I love what you just said. And I, I hope that where we're talking about going back and re-listening that people go back and re-listen to that because it needs to be said. There's this emphasis on quality, on quantity right now. Yep. And I was just having this conversation with somebody about the challenges of how many books can you read in mm -hmm. a year? And I'm like, I want to know how many things you implemented from those books. Cause it doesn't yeah. mean anything to me if you end reading 200 books in a year and you're still in the same spot in your life, you just know more stuff, right? You don't actually do it. So how many of those things are you implementing? And so you saying that hits home on that. And I absolutely love it. Like you're listening, but are you doing it? And if not, that must mean I need to keep saying it. Yeah. And, and I think also too, like, I like to put in a lot of content. Like I, I'll, I don't always do those challenges, but I try to get through a book a week on audible and I listen to a lot of different podcasts. But to me, one of the things is I think about it, like if you were, panning for gold or like sifting for gold and you dumped a whole bunch of sand into a little sifter and then you sift it back and forth some of those gold pieces will stay in there so for me i just keep trying to dump good stuff in and, and i'm getting smarter about what i listen to because i try to listen to people that are at a much higher level on some of these things than i am but then when they each talk about the same thing a different way then I go, oh, okay, now I get it. And then it sinks in for me. And then I can synthesize it hopefully in a way for my audience that they get it, right? So I can translate it. So I like to have a yeah. bunch of different viewpoints and listen to a bunch of different things. And like, why would I listen to a podcast by a, this guy, Peter Atia, who does a lot of this you know, um, crazy ultra marathon stuff, which is nothing I ever want to do in my life. <laughs> but the people he brings on and how he thinks about it from a scientific process forces me to think a little bit differently. And I can apply that to what it is I'm doing with people in digital marketing. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really interesting because I've started 
as I've realized that I was reading a bunch and then not actually changing anything, I've started trying to think of like one or two things I want to take from it. Right. Cause like there are times where I don't finish a book until months later because I'll see something and it's, um, wow, that hit me really hard. Okay. We're going to stop right here. I'm going to work on implementing this and we're going to come back to this book after I've had this time. So I might be reading three or four books at a time yet. I'm taking pieces out of it because I fell in that habit of let me just consume as much content as I can. And I was listening to podcasts all the time and I was reading books all the time. And, and then I was like, overwhelmed. Like your brain starts to short circuit because you're like, well, I need to be here and here and here. And then you don't do anything. And so it's like, what is that one or two golden nuggets that you talked about that we can pull out of this and start implementing? Because then that book means something totally different to you when you pick it up and start looking at it again. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I think you probably heard John Maxwell say this. I've heard him say this a couple of times, you know, he has this act ACT thing that he teaches. And he says, when, you, when you're hearing something new or you're hearing somebody teach or you're listening to a podcast or reading a book, think about putting in the, in the margin, the letter A or C or T, depending on if you need to apply the thing that you're hearing, like you're, you're not doing it and you need to apply it. Uh, a C for you need to uh, change. So maybe you're doing it, but you need to change it up a little bit. And then T for teach, maybe you're doing it so well that you need to teach it. And so as I hear this stuff, I go like, okay. And I kind of just do that really quickly. But the other thing I've learned is the faster I, I, I kind of short circuit that model about, and I take the application piece out initially because I have discovered for me, the quicker that I can teach it after I've heard it, the more likely it is I'm actually going to implement it. So I'll say, going back to the who's the who, so what, I'll listen to a podcast or read a book, and then I'll think about my audience and I'll turn on the camera and do a Facebook live and say, hey, listen, I just heard this thing. I read this thing. And what it means to us in this field or this market is this, this, and this. So if you're not thinking about this or doing this, you probably should, I'm going to give it a shot and try it out. And as soon as I teach it, as soon as I get it out, as soon as I synthesize it, then it sticks. And then I end up sharing it a hundred other times where people comment on it. And then I start to apply it. And so I don't always apply it first before teaching it. Uh, Sometimes I do, but generally the faster I can teach it, the more I know that I'll retain it over the long term. I love that for so many reasons, because we're dealing with a group of people in entrepreneurs and business owners that we tend to think we have to be like perfect at the things that we do. And we have to figure out how we do it without any flaws before we can tell people we do it, before we can ask for money from it, before we can do any of that. And what you just said about, hey, I just learned this. Let me tell you what I learned and then let's go try it together or I'm going to go try it or let's check back and see, did that work for us? Did it resonate for us? Like pull back the curtain and be human with your audience and your people so that they can see you're growing. And then there's the definitely the learn, do, teach model. The more you teach it, the more you learn it, the more you do it. And what you just said sums that up so much. But the key is to be willing to act before you have it down. Yeah. And if you think about, you know, I think of like rapid prototyping or, uh, you know, they, you've heard people talk about entrepreneurs saying really good entrepreneurs are ready, fire, aim. Yeah, they're not ready, aim, fire, because most people who are entrepreneurs are ready, aim. Am I ready? Aim. Am I aiming? Okay. Ready, ready, aim, ready, aim. And they never fire. So 
I just think of, you know, I, I spent some time working for a software company and it's just like, let's ship that thing. Let's get it out. Like if it's 80% there, let's get it out. Let the users play around with it. We'll see, we'll get their feedback. And so even as I learn, I just try to do rapid prototyping. Like, let me get the information because the world is changing so fast that we have to figure out how to adapt. Maybe not at the same speed the world is changing, but we have to adapt. Right. And so for me, I just keep doing rapid prototyping because what worked yesterday may not work tomorrow. Yes, there are some fundamentals that will never change, but a lot of the tactics and things that we're using are changing daily. And so I need to kind of stay on top of that so I can come back and synthesize it for my audience. That doesn't mean you need to do that, the people that are listening, but you probably do need to do that. And whatever your niche is or whatever your market is, you need to pay yeah. attention to stuff and be able to bring that back to your audience. Yeah, absolutely. So what the other thing that came to my head when you were talking earlier that I want your feedback from, from a marketing perspective, I'll never forget the first time I did a jury trial as an attorney. And we um, did the trial. We told our client, hey, you're going to get found guilty. Um, you should probably take a, a, a plea. And he was like, no, I'm going to trial. And we get a not guilty verdict. And we're like, well, glad you didn't listen to us, right? <laughs> um, and we're talking to the jury afterwards. And we're like, what was it? And they're like, well, we didn't believe this witness because she said this. And it was some random, weird, strange fact that we're like, that's what you decided to listen to. So as you're marketing, how many times do you put out content and, and you think it's about one thing and then your audience comments on it and you're like, really, that's what you took from that? And then you go back and adjust. It happens a lot, actually. It, it happens a whole lot. And sometimes I share things that aren't necessarily what I think about digital marketing, just so people can get to know, like, and trust me, like everyday dad stuff or stuff from traveling and like, oh, here's a life hack. I used to close the curtains in the hotel to make sure, you know, no sun's coming in. And people are like, wow, that's the greatest thing ever. I'm like, of all the things I've said to you, that's <laughs> the thing that you remember. Um, so yeah, I think it is important and critical that you're just, you know, listening to your audience. That's the thing. One of the, the things that I think is amazing uh, and, and kind of crazy is that marketing and selling things and being successful is not that hard. Here's what you do. You say to people, hey, what is your problem? And they go, well, we're having this problem. And you say, so if I were to help you solve that problem by doing this, you'd buy my thing and that you'd like that. And they say, yeah. And you say, okay. And then you create a knowledge product or a course or whatever, webinar, a mastermind group. And you go, hey, I hear you have this problem. I'm going to solve it for you. Here, come to this thing, do this thing. They come and do it. They love it. You ask for feedback or testimonials or survey. And all the people say, wow, it's like you created this just for me. I'm like, well, duh. I asked <laughs> you what you wanted. <laughs> I asked you what your problem was. We worked on it together. We tried to solve it. Maybe we didn't get everything figured out, but we got you closer. Of course, you're going to love that. And so I think that's that's part of the thing is just even if some, you know, sometimes I will, my audience will share stuff with me or say like, uh, wow, I didn't realize that was the takeaway or that was the thing that they were getting out of this. And sometimes I just add that as a bonus or I add that as a different part of what I'm teaching. And then they go, man, I, again, I can't believe you covered that. That's been on my mind forever. Like, well, you guys told, told me that. <laughs> You know, I love that you said that. I um, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day and he says, yeah, I've got this follow-up call with somebody and, you know, you really liked my book and, and I sent in this like worksheet and you really liked that and we're going to do a follow-up, but I'm afraid he's going to need one-on-one -on -one coaching. And I'm like, why does that scare you? And he's like, well, because like, I don't know if I'm the one to 
to coach him. He's like, he's telling you that you're the one to coach him, right? Like yeah. he's coming back for more stuff. And he's like, well, I'm just going to find out what he needs and then see who I can introduce him to that has it. And I'm like, no, find out what he needs and build it. Like that's yeah. what you do. Find out what he needs and build it. But we live in this world where people look at other people and they think they have it all put together. And they're like, well, that person can do it better than me. So if somebody came to me and said, Hey, this is what I need. And I said, Oh, I don't do that. But maybe Dave does. I'm going to send him over to Dave. And Dave's going to be like, I don't do that, but I do now. Like I, yeah. I do now, like build it. Yeah. Build it, it and out. then sell it. Yeah. So it's really interesting. And I really hope that people are taking that from this conversation of, you know, build it and do it and then do it better. Um, I'm launching my mastermind that's coming up here soon. And it's like the fifth version of that mastermind. And if I would have waited until I felt like I had the product I have now, I would never have it. Like I needed those first four versions that were valuable but they weren't what I have now, you know? And, yeah. and I think every person out there that has a product feels the same way. Yeah. And it's, you know, I get it that you're, you're scared or you have a confidence problem or you're not sure people want to buy your thing, but if you ask them what they want, you give it to them. That's, that's part of the equation. Uh, but, but I think you just have to get comfortable with rapid iteration, just getting the stuff out there. And this will probably help your audience. It helped me a lot when somebody explained this to me, you don't have to be the expert. Okay. If, if you think about the path of mastery for whatever it is you do or you teach, and let's just say to make it easy, there's 26 steps from A to Z. And Z are like the world-class people, the, win the people that win Nobel prizes and all kinds of awards. You don't have to be there. And matter of fact, the people that you can serve the best probably wouldn't be able to learn from them anyway. I'm sure you've all been, I know you had this in law school and I definitely had when I was going to school, professors who you knew were super brilliant and they would just teach right over the top of your head because you were mm -hmm. like, what? I don't understand. You're not connecting with me. It doesn't make any sense because they were so far away. Or you're but in like, you're in like, crush mode, right? Like fangirl mode yeah. where you're like, I can't learn from you. I can't listen to you because I'm too, you're on this pedestal for me right now. Yeah. Yeah. Like the guru on the mountain or whatever. Yeah. But what you need to do is be the guide that comes alongside people and you only have to be a few steps ahead. So if the people that you're trying to teach are at A or B or C, they're just getting started, then you can be at D, E, or F and that's fine. You only have to be a little ways ahead. And actually they'll probably have the budget for something like that because it's probably uh, less expensive and you'll be more relatable because you just went through a lot of that stuff yourself. So I think a lot of people get stuck. They're like, I'm not a New York times bestseller. I don't have this. I don't have that. I don't have a million followers on Instagram. It doesn't matter, right? The people yeah. that you know, and the people in your sphere of influence and the people that will get referred to you through that sphere of influence, they know you as the authority or the expert or the influencer or the leader in that space. And you have the skill set to help them. If you would turn around and help them and offer some things for sale to help them, I think you will find that they will pay for that stuff. Yeah, this is absolutely amazing and explains why you have the Unleash You're Awesome or Unleash the Awesome podcast, because that's really what we're talking about is unleash the awesome that you have to be able to share that with the world. So what's the, what was, how did you come up with the Unleash the Awesome um, name idea? Like what was the, the, um, driver behind that? It's a funny story. So here's the foundation of it. And I'll tell you the funny story. So I believe firmly that in order to be successful at stuff, you have to have the right mindset, the right skill set, and the right tool set in that order, mindset, skill set, tool set, right? A lot of people do it backwards. They want to buy the tool 
They think that's going to solve everything, but they don't know how to use it. And they don't have the right mindset. So they spend a lot of money on stuff that doesn't work. So mindset, skill set, tool set. I teach in my digital marketing mentorship stuff and some of my courses and my coaching. I teach a lot of the skill set and I share a lot of the tool sets, whether I have affiliate relationships or whatever. But the mindset piece is what was getting people hung up a lot. And I never really want to do a podcast, but through some coercing and conversations with people, they're like, listen, there, there's a whole nother audience. So I thought, okay, let me address the mindset piece and I'll do it through the podcast. And the reason why it's called Unleash the Awesome, if you look at the cover art, it's me skydiving. And that was from my first skydive ever. And I didn't want to go skydiving. As a matter of fact, I did not eat for 24 hours prior to that because I was worried that I was going to have some kind of gastrointestinal issue one way or the other, uh, jumping out of an airplane. Uh, I was deathly afraid of it. And so anyway, I went and did it, jumped at 15,000 feet. The picture is taken at about 12,000 feet. And if you ever watch the video, which is available on YouTube, actually, it's on my YouTube channel. That I got interviewed by the photographer and the video guy that went up with us. And he kept asking me all these questions, but I couldn't really hear him because of the plane and the noise. And I was nervous. I didn't know what he was saying. And I just kept saying, awesome. So he's like, hey, you know, is this your first time? And I was like, awesome. <laughs> like, oh, this is going to be so great. I'm like, awesome. And I jumped out of the plane, would get on the ground. He's like, how is it? I'm like, that's awesome. I must have said awesome like 30 times in that five minute video. And so it's kind of like a running joke. And then of course I did a little research and there was nothing called Unleash the Awesome. So I thought, all right, that'd be a good thing to call it. It fits my brand and what I'm trying to help people do. It fits the mindset piece. And it will be easy for me to take a hashtag like Unleash Awesome because nobody was really using that and kind of drive that and get that up there. So those were kind of all the pieces, but I didn't just have that realization one day. This was something that was just kind of simmering on the back burner. Maybe I should do a podcast and then through a bunch of conversations and live events I went to and everything else, kind of all the pieces snapped in. And then at one live event, this is why it's important that you go to events and conferences and network with people. We were doing like a happy hour thing, sitting at the bar, talking to two friends of mine. And they basically said, so when are you going to launch this thing? And they made me give them a date. And so I did. And then, and it's been pretty cool. It's usually just me talking for 15 minutes or so, to, you know, sharing some of this mindset stuff, but I've had some pretty big guests on there. I've had Dean Graziosi on there, oh, nice. had Russell Brunson on there and some other people. So yeah, so that's how it came about. Um, I kind of backed into that one, but I don't think any of that stuff would happen if I wasn't creating content and doing stuff in other places and getting feedback and then discovering this mindset, skill set, tool set piece. And I kept saying, the piece that's missing is mindset. Where can I teach that on a consistent basis? And that's, I do that more on the podcast than anywhere else. That's awesome. Well, there you go. Um, so I was going to ask you because anybody who's watching this on YouTube or in the Facebook community can see the cover art behind you. And I was going to ask you if that was you on it. So that makes it even more special that it's actually you on the cover jumping out of a plane. Skydiving is on my bucket list. I'm interested to know, like, what was the thing that finally got you in the plane to jump out? Because like, I've never gotten that far, but I can just see myself sitting there going, this is stupid. Like when I jumped off the stratosphere, I was like, smart people don't do stuff like this. Like this yeah. is really dumb. Yeah. I knew, you know, I was doing a lot of reading at the time. This was back, I think this was like eight or nine years ago. And I was doing a lot of reading about your brain and the limbic brain, the reptilian part of your brain and fight or flight. And it's just trying to keep you safe and it keeps you from doing dangerous things like that usually. And I was just like, I need to figure out how to hijack this system. I need to figure out, I just need a pattern interrupt of something to do it. And uh, I was watching Tony Robbins had a thing on TV. It was like on NBC. 
and he was helping people through all these challenges and he helped some guy who was a paraplegic or something jump out of a plane. And I was like, I guess maybe I could do that because I'm not going to run a marathon. I don't want to do that. But like, what's kind of like a defining thing that I could do to just break through? I'm like, I really don't want to jump out of a plane, which is all the reason why I should do it. And so I decided to do it. And in order to kind of hold myself accountable, first of all, I went by myself. I didn't even go with anybody else. You know, my wife knew I was going, but um, she said, is insurance paid up and will it cover this? <laughs> uh, so, so we got that out of the way. Um, Loving but, wife. Yeah. But I said on, um, she's super supportive of all the crazy stuff that I do, by the way. Um, I posted on social media, something like, Hey, like big news coming later or something like that. Or I, you know, I think I posted Van Halen's jump video or something like that. And I was like, you know, I'll, I'll have details for you later. And then I paid for the full video package and stuff. So I'd have all that stuff. And then I shared it later. And uh, the, the funny thing is, I've since then jumped eight times, I think, oh, wow. a bunch of different countries. My wife actually went and jumped one time. She, uh, one of my kids has jumped as well. Um, so yeah, it's kind of cool. It's not like a thing or a hobby that we do. We're not certified to jump or anything, but usually if we go someplace and it's available and we can fit it into our schedule, like we jumped one time over the uh, Outer Banks when we were there uh, vacationing in North Carolina. And I said, man, how cool would it be to jump out of an airplane over the birthplace of flight? That'd be pretty cool. So that's when my wife jumped out and her only stipulation was she didn't want to be on the plane at the same time. So I went up on one run and she went up on the other. Um, so, but it was a lot of fun and it's, it's something I'm glad that I did it for me. It was kind of like my breakthrough moment and I keep it as the cover art on my, when I could be able to see it because of the background I have on zoom, but it's the cover of the wallpaper on my phone. So every time I open my phone, I'm like, remember when you didn't want to do this thing and then you did this highly outrageous thing to break through it, like getting back to the mindset piece. Like if you're crazy enough to do that, then whatever dumb thing is getting in your way today, just go run it over. Yes. Uh, and yeah, so that's it. Yeah. So I haven't graduated to the jumping out of planes yet, although it is on my bucket list, but my thing, my crazy enough thing is my 24 hour obstacle course race. When you were talking about, you know, the person who does the endurance races and you're like, I have no desire to do that. I'm like, it's me. Like, I think <laughs> I'm actually wearing a Spartan shirt today. Um, but, and it was the same thing for me. Like I was in the middle of this identity crisis. Life didn't turn out the way that I wanted it to. I was figuring out which way is up and which way is down. And somebody introduced me to obstacle course racing. And I was like, I'm in and started training for a 24 hour race and finished that. And I still take my stuff with me when I'm going to do something like a speaking engagement that makes me nervous. I have my headbands with me. Like if you're crazy enough to run for 24 hours of the de in the desert, you can do anything. If you're crazy enough to jump out of a plane, you can do anything. Like nothing can stop you. So go find that thing and do it. Yeah. So you've got the mindset and then you get the skill set and then the tool set. So you have this, um, is it tech, tech Tuesday, tech tools Tuesday? What is that? Yeah. Tech tools Tuesday. Thank you for asking about that. So, uh, tech tools Tuesday was something I started just a few weeks ago, because if you look for the things that you're going to do in marketing technology, so building your email list, your funnels, your sales pages, your shopping cart, all that stuff, there are literally over 8,000, not making that number up. There are over 8,000 different things you could be using in your marketing technology stack. So no wonder people get confused, especially the beginner. They get the paradox of choice, right? They just go like, whoa. It's like, if you think about a kid going down the cereal aisle <laughs> in a grocery store, right? And you're like, you can get one box, but you could only get one, right? And the kid's like, well, I mean, if you, if you haven't really thought about this, cereal takes up an entire aisle 
in most grocery stores, right? Like so many choices. It's so overwhelming. And sometimes you'll see kids on the floor having a tantrum because they just, <laughs> just can't pick, right? They can't decide. So think about being faced with that when you're trying to build your business online. Like you're really smart at what you do. You're trying to get it online. And then you're like, oh, wow. Like, what, how do I decide here? So with Tech Tools Tuesday, what I do is I just pick the things that are that I use, that people in the group use, that people that my coaching clients use successfully. And I focus on a handful each week. I just do a quick video, usually just showing like the websites and how to think about choosing and the features and the benefits. And sometimes I'll share a screen on how I'm using it or what I did with it or whatever, just to reduce that overwhelm and then just give people two or three choices instead of in each category, like the thousands of choices they can pick from. And I'll say, listen, you just have to get started. Pick one of these. We know they work. I can point to lots of examples in our community of people that are using these things. Just stop worrying about all the other ones. Just pick from one of these and put them into work, put them into play in your business. And then later, if you want to change, whatever, these are not irreversible decisions you're making. These are $29, $99 a month in some cases, you know, things. Okay, you don't like it, then just switch to something else. Yeah. But most people never get started because they just have that tantrum on the floor of the cereal aisle. They just can't yeah. handle it all. So that's been my new thing. And just, I was doing that in my digital marketing mentorship group, but getting back to the thing about mindset, skill set, tool set, people are just having a hard time selecting the, from the tool set. And so I'm trying to make that as easy as possible for people that are wanting to monetize their message online. Yeah. There's so many amazing things about this. Like, first of all, the cereal aisle is an amazing metaphor because we've all been there. Right. And then as you get older, you realize that there's really like four kinds of cereal. Right. And yeah. so yeah. it's, it's the, the aisle and there's different brands and there's name brands and there's all this stuff, but there's really like four things, you know, and, and once you break that down, you're like, okay, I can pick from four. And then, and it's the same thing with tech tools. There's like these certain things that you need, and to have somebody that can say, hey, let's compare these for a little bit, because otherwise, and I, I don't know this from personal experience at all, you end up spending three days going through different Google reviews and different YouTube videos, and then you have more options because there's links because people have affiliates, and then you've got all of these things and you never get an answer because they want you to buy both because they're affiliates with both and you have no answers. And so to be able to have a place that says, hey, look, like, here's some straight answers for you, like, Let's pull back the curtain. This is what this has. This is what this doesn't. Doesn't like that's invaluable to new entrepreneurs and, yeah, and old ones too. Like yeah, and, yeah. and one of the, one of the things I do too is I'm I'm actually an affiliate for a lot of them. That's one of the ways I I kind of it's like my business model is I'm I'm kind of like a, a vacation planner or travel but, agent. I'm just an affiliate for almost everything, and I'll say, listen, I don't care which one you use. I'm going to give you the rundown on the ones I like, the things that make sense. Here are the features and benefits. I don't care what you use. But do me a favor, if you're going to use one of these, just ask me if I have a link or my links right here. It's, yeah. it's a win-win for everybody because I want you to be successful because the longer you're on that platform, the more successful you're, you are and the more the happy that that company is that I gave them a paying customer. And I probably get paid either monthly or yearly on that too, right? So the incentives, the economic incentives are there to do it. So instead of just being an affiliate for one thing and always saying like, you should always buy this yeah. thing, I just go, look. I've kind of taken the conflict of interest out of it and just yeah. said, yeah, I'm going to get paid if you click on one of my links. I don't really care which one to use because I'm going to fill it for all of them. Now, here are the ones that I use personally, or here's the ones that I've used in my business. And so yep. I might lean that way just because I'm more familiar with some of those. But 
yeah, it can be super confusing. And so you just got to get started and get back to your cereal uh, thing too. Yeah, there are only about four kinds of cereal, but even then, once you start living your life and doing your thing, you probably only eat two yeah. and you probably eat one 80% of the time. Yeah. So, and a lot of these things, right? There's this really smart woman, her name's uh, Sheena Einigar. Don't ask me to spell either of those, <laughs> but she did a TED talk on the paradox of choice. And, and she talks about like, there are so many options that it just petrifies people. And they just, you know, it's uh, fight, flight, or freeze. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of these cases, people just freeze. They just yeah. go like, this is too confusing. I'm not going to get started. And I have had many mentors and people that have helped me make these decisions and get to where I'm like, I've created a lifestyle business. I'm sitting at home in my sunroom talking to you right now. It's beautiful out. I'm going to go sit outside in the sun here in a little bit. I've created that by having a business online with recurring revenue and all these kinds of things. And I want that for other people if that's what they want. Yeah. So I want to be able to teach them how to do that, show them how to do it, show them how I do it, show them how other people do it. Because if that's what they want, I, I want that yeah. to be available to them. But I think a lot of people just don't even know that it's possible or they think it's not possible for me. And I'm here to tell you, it is possible for you. If you just follow a few key things, you can definitely make it happen. Yeah, absolutely. And there's, I mean, thanks for bringing that up about the affiliate, because I think that it is so important. Um, I had the the moment when I went to a personal development conference, you talk about how important it is to get into conferences. And I 100% believe that because I was sitting there going, I didn't even know this life existed, right? Like I didn't know people got paid for this stuff. And then it's like, holy cow, like you don't have to get up and hate your job every morning and then figure out what your passion is. Like people get paid for things that you love to do, right? And you just got to find them. What's really cool about your group is that um, instead of going and searching for something on Google, instead of being able to go to YouTube and search for something, you have somebody like yourself who is able to ask questions, say, hey, what is it exactly that you're trying to accomplish with this product? And how can I steer you in the right way? And then you have... Um, a couple thousand, I think you're up to like, what, three and a half thousand at this point of people who can tune in and be like, I tried this and I tried this and it's fantastic for anybody that's overwhelmed with tech. So where can they find your group so they can get the benefit of that amazing community? Thank you. Um, Also, by the way, people in that group will say, I tried that and it sucked. So we do get (laughs) both sides of it, which is good. Um, If they just search on Facebook, digital marketing mentorship, they'll be able to find it or search Dave Gambrel. It's not hard to find. I'm not hard to find online. In most places you'll find me. Uh, If you go to gambrel.com slash links, so that's G-A-M as in Mary, B as in boy, R-I-L-L.com slash links, the word links, all my links, how to listen to my podcast, Facebook group, follow me on Instagram. They're all there. Uh, and so you can definitely check that out. Awesome. So we'll put that in the um, in the show notes as well for everybody. So I, I have to ask you this question. I feel like I would be a disservice to you know my podcast listeners if I didn't. We had a conversation once in your group about the power of memes and you were on like this clubhouse thing with Elon Musk and he was talking about why memes are so important. And somebody had talked about how when they think of memes, they think of you. And it put this whole idea of front of mind in my head. Like so many people want to be front of mind in their business and they lose sight of the fact that front of mind is front of mind. What you do is just something else. How did you become like the meme creator or or the person that everybody thinks of when they think of memes? 
the meme dealer. The meme dealer. Uh, there we yeah. go. Yeah. Uh, for those of you that are listening 44 minutes in, here's the gold. Okay. All the other stuff was okay. You're, this is the amazing stuff right here. You're ready? I'm glad you asked this question. I didn't think we were even going to talk about this. Um, yeah. Front of mind is important. And so if you think about a marketing funnel, it stands for ADA, awareness, interest, desire, action, as you go through the funnel, right? Awareness, interest, desire, action. Some people also call it know, like, and trust and buy, right? As you think about going through a funnel from top to bottom. So I know that people need to know, like, and trust me before they're going to buy my thing, before they're going to take my advice, before they're going to join my group. And I'm always doing calls to action at the end of everything. I'm like, hey, listen to my podcast, go check this out, go watch me over here, go do this. And so I know in order to earn that right, to ask for the business, to ask for the call to action, I got to either give them something useful or give them something entertaining. And so I heard Brian Tracy years ago use the word edutainment, edutainment, educational entertainment. And so I thought if, if I don't want to be seen as a guru on the mountain, I want to be seen as the person that the guide who comes alongside, like in Joseph Campbell's Hero's Journey or Donald Miller's Building a Story Brand, if I want to be seen as that person, that approachable person, the person that people want to do business with, like the, the cool guy who shares funny stuff, then just be the cool guy who shares funny stuff. And so I just share that stuff on my personal page. I don't do it a lot in my group, although other people sometimes do it, but I just share it on my personal page and on Instagram or whatever. And when people will then think of me or approach me, their guard is way down because they're like, ha ha ha, like, this is so funny, Dave, you're so funny. Like, let's go grab a beer together, whatever. Like, so I'm building that relationship with my audience and not in a nefarious, like tricky way. Like, that's just how I am anyway. I find this stuff hilarious. And I'm like, if I can help bring some joy to your day and you laugh about it, great. But yes from a marketing perspective, their guards down, the no like and trust goes way up. And then when I say, hey, come check out my group or listen to my thing or buy my thing or go do this, they're like, yeah, I trust Dave because he's pretty cool. So, and I, I know that sounds narcissistic and vain and everything, but you Not asked even the question, a little but, bit. but that's how, that's kind of how I tee it up. And so, yeah, I, I am top of mind for a lot of people a lot of the time, even though it doesn't have anything to do with my business, but when I'm on top of mind and then they think about something that my business helps them with, the match is automatic. And so like, oh, you should go check out this guy, Dave or whatever. So yeah, I, I wouldn't consider myself necessarily the meme master. There are some other people that are really good at it. But if you think about how we have told stories through time, we drawing pictures on cave walls. I mean, it's always been about simple pictures and how do you tell a story and memes do that very eloquently. So I was happy to hear that me and Elon Musk were brought up in the same conversation uh, because, <laughs> but he actually has somebody on his team. He, they don't have a PR department at Tesla. They don't, if you tried to find their press, but they don't have one. They don't have a PR department. They used to, but they got rid of it. Cause like, we're sick of uh, answering these dumb questions, but he does have, I forget what they call this person, but a meme curator that creates memes around SpaceX and Tesla and other stuff and puts it out there because a, if a picture is worth a thousand words, I think he said a meme is worth a million or something like that. I'm paraphrasing. But yeah, you could tell so much with that meme. So yes, it's fun. Yes, it makes people laugh. Yes, it's edutainment. Um, and, and if you want to put the, the educational piece in there, you can. And sometimes I do with the meme. Sometimes I'll be like, sometimes it's about current events or stuff that's going on in the world. And sometimes I'll, I'll throw a punch that you didn't see coming because you're like, ha ha ha, day. oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I've earned the right to do that because they know I'm not going to punch them again. It'll be yeah. like funny, 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 little learn, little learn. Maybe the punch will come again. Like just, Hey, did you think about this? 
And so I just try to keep up that thing because I do it anyway. My wife comes to bed each night. I'm usually in bed first. She says, hey, let me see. And she knows I'm going to show her memes. And she, I would try to show her 30 if she would handle it. But she's like, <laughs> how about three tonight? And I'm like, how about this one? How about that one? How about that one? She's like, that one's really good. I'm like, okay. So she's kind of like my meme editor. Uh, and then I you're, share them out to the world. subject. Yeah. And so, and, and she's, a, she's a tough audience. So I, I know if I can make <laughs> her laugh then other people will laugh, but yeah, that's kind of the secret sauce of it. And it served me really, really well. It, and notice it's not like a quid pro quo. Like I don't share a meme and then say, buy something. It's like the meme just gets the guard down. And then through me sharing all this other content we've been talking about, my Facebook group, my podcast, people are like, oh, I think this guy does know what he's talking about. So when I'm ready to make a decision on something, maybe I should pay attention. And so this is definitely playing the long game. I have always played the long game in my business. Well, I'm sure I made some bad choices and played the short game a few times. And it was like, no, this doesn't work. I play the long game. So I'm in it for the long game. I'll help you over the long term. And so I just continue to play that game and it served me very well. Yeah. The long game comment is necessary. Too many people are looking for that instant gratification and it just doesn't exist in the entrepreneurial world. And if it does run, right, like if yeah. something that's popping up, it's like instant gratification run the other way because it will implode. Yeah, you look for people who have some longevity. And that's the, the kind of trick in this industry is the foundational things will work. The high-level strategies and the fundamentals are the fundamentals, right? Jim Rohn used to say, beware of the person who manufactures antiques. <laughs> so <laughs> that's amazing. I love I've never one, heard right? that before. Yeah. So the fundamentals are the fundamentals. So all the stuff I just talked about, the marketing stuff and getting people to know they like, can trust you and move through the funnel of ADA. All of that hasn't been going on for a really, really long time. So the strategies are all pretty much the same, but the tactics, are you going to do TikTok? Are you going to do Instagram? Are you going to do this new thing, BitClout? Are you going to go on Clubhouse? Like, what are you going to do? Those are changing. And so the people that have been around for a prolonged period of time in this, in this space are doing the fundamentals, are playing the long game, but they're also going, oh, okay, can we pivot here? Because Vine just got shut down and who knows what's happening to TikTok. So do we move over to Instagram reels and stories? Like, what do we do? And so it's just those little, little things of the tactics that change, but yeah, the long game and the fundamentals are the things you need to make sure you're focusing on. I love it. All right. Before we wrap up here, I ask every single one of my guests this question. And, um, I believe that success doesn't happen by accident. It's intentional by the choices we make every single day and that we get to design the life that we want through our definition of success. What does success mean to you individually? Success to me is freedom to do what I want, when I want, with who I want, because I want. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. So I mentioned before, like when I'm done doing this podcast, I'm going to go sit in the sun. It's 70 degrees here in New Jersey today. I'm going to hang out, do some reading. I don't have other things in my schedule I need to do. I have earned and worked for the, the ability to be able to do that. And so for me, that's it. Now, sometimes that means you have to have the, the financial resources to be able to do that. And so you got to make sure you get all those other things figured out. But um, you didn't ask me this, but since I read Tim's book, Tim Ferriss's book, The 4-Hour Workweek in 2007, um, that fundamentally changed how I thought about what I was going to do with my life. Because until then, it was all like delayed gratification and, you know, don't live a life, yeah. you know, just be a corporate, you know, a cubicle jockey in corporate America until you're 65 and then your body breaks down and you can't do anything. But then you'll have some time maybe to go on vacation or you might have to be a Walmart greeter because you didn't do some other things. And I'm not belittling any of that stuff, but that's really not the, 
the success vision I had planned for myself. Yeah. Like there's gotta be a different way. And so I just very strategically based on a lot of the stuff he teaches in his book thought, how can I create a lifestyle business for me? That's not creating another full-time job for me. That's not, you know, they say that small business owners don't own the business, the business owns them. How can I avoid some of that stuff and make very strategic decisions over the long term to be able to do what I want, when I want, with who I want, because I want. And to me, that is the definition of freedom. I love it. Dave, thank you so much for coming on and spending some time with us. I used to do a random round at the end of these, but I'm kind of over that. So I just have a couple of questions for you that are in that random round. One, what gift or what book have you gifted or recommended to people the most? I just gave it away, Tim Ferriss's 4-Hour Workweek. I talk about that book and share it and give it away. My kids have had it and actually read it. I didn't force them to read it, but my, my grown kids have actually read pieces of it. So if I could only recommend one book, it would be that one. Awesome. If you could time travel, where would you go and why? Uh, the 14 year old adolescent side of me said, wow, it'd be really cool to watch Lady Godiva make her rides. That was the first <laughs> thing that popped into my head. <laughs> I love it. So we'll just um, stick with that. That's what came to mind. I don't know. There's probably, I should probably see something smarter, but that, that's it. Hey, smarts for the podcast episode. Random round doesn't matter, right? Um, and lastly, I'm a music nerd, so I need to know what your pump-up song is. I don't have a particular pump-up song, but I do listen to this guy, Joe Satriani. He's like a heavy, he's an instrumental guitar, electric guitar guy. Like he always has like a lot of upbeat, heavy stuff in there. And so if I really need to get up, I, I created a, um, a pod, a, a a list on what's the word I'm looking for a a playlist on Spotify that has his stuff and some Van Halen stuff, both older Van Halen with David Lee Roth and with Sammy Hagar, uh, all that stuff. So if I really need a a little pick me up, I usually listen to a combination of those. I love it. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it. We'll put the links to your podcast, to your group, to your tech um, Tuesday and um, show people how they can get a hold of you so they can stop being confused in the serial aisle of tech. Cool. Awesome. This has been great. Thank you so much. You are so welcome. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the More Than Corporate Podcast. If anything that was said during this episode resonated with you or provided value in any way, it would mean the world to me if you would head over to iTunes and leave a rating and review for the More Than Corporate Podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to do that. I'm really looking forward to connecting with you. If you'd also like to connect, I've created a Facebook group that is full of amazing people who also make it their mission to live their best life every single day. If that sounds like something that you're interested in, the name of that Facebook group is Success Center. Head over there, request to join, and I look forward to connecting with you soon.